With the culture reframing gender and roles, it's important to ask, what is biblical masculinity? What is biblical femininity? What do these roles have in uh, God's order as far as their place and their standing? Are men more valued than women in the Bible? Is God egalitarian or complementarian? Join us on this uh, two-part discussion on biblical masculinity and biblical femininity. Hi, my name is Jonathan Fiala, and uh, for further every day, I'm sitting in the producer's chair, but also sitting in the chair of economics, but we'll go over to the chair number one, Miss Nikki, sitting in the chair of theology. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? Doing well. Good. Glad to have you there in the chair of theology, dealing with the reason why we believe what we believe, the Bible. And then to her left, we got uh, Mr. Charlie. He's yes. back. Long I'm time back. no see. I know it. Where have you guys been all my life? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so glad to have you back in the chair of philosophy. Wonderland. John C. to his left. How you doing? Blessed. In the chair Blessed. of culture. <laughs> That's the quietest it's been all day. <laughs> he was blessed to be in the chair of culture. How cool is that? So, and then to his left, we've got Mr. Steve. How's it going, sir? Hey, man. It's going good, dude. Good to see you. Glad you are here. I will be producing in days. So if there are any uh, things with the camera, uh, I you guys will see me kind of over here working on it. So just pardon me while I do that. And uh, let's dig into it. Sounds so, good. First off, y'all know about the study that we're going to be digging into. This is the behavioral sync study. And I, I want to open this out or in, in, and start us off with the behavioral sync because I think that's kind of an interesting study. And they came to some very bad conclusions with that study. They said, well, we need to depopulate. Well, that's not the, that's not the, the issue. The issue is, is if you give over to your animalistic tendencies, you will tend to act out in this way. So for those of you who remember, there were the four stages of the behavioral sync study, right? There's the normal striving where they would. So all these mice in the 1960s, uh, John Calhoun got a bunch of mice together and he would put them into a fresh new environment, a cage with place for nesting. And all these mice would come in during the striving stage they would be growing at a doubling of every, I, th- I forget, I think it was 30 days. Yeah, 30 days, yeah. They mm-hmm. would double every 30 days. And then uh, they go to the thriving stage, where all of a sudden, after a while, all of these mammals would start to conglomerate in one place. You would see a, they would all be drawn to central points of population. Then, in the waning stages, that doubling every 30 days go to a hundred and something days even farther and you would see new antisocial behaviors come out things like homosexuality harming of other individuals self-harm uh, you had three types you had the outcast you had the gang member they would rove in gangs and attack each other the outcast would be the ones who were oppressed they would section off based on external, superficial external characteristics. And then you would have the pretty ones, is what Cal- Calhoun called them. The ones who would preen, and they would be all by themselves. They looked very beautiful. They, 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 they were the best genetic specimens. But when reacting to outside stimulus, they would fall apart. Man, what, what does that sound like? Just throwing that around the room, opening it up. Socialism. Society <laughs> I was going to say. Society America. Well, 
And, and that's a good point. I mean, Nikki said society today, and, and I think that's true. When you look at society in general, when I'm talking outside of the United States, there's the same issues. It, it's not different. And, you know, John Arthur, with the point that you brought up early, the depopulation of the earth. Folks, if you, if you follow Bible, if you study Bible, that is the most anti-biblical statement you could make. Because God said, be fruitful and multiply. And obviously, depopulation is the opposite of be fruitful and multiply. So I think there's just that, just the tone of that from the very beginning is very interesting. But that study is very interesting. So what happens to God's plan of redemption and salvation if we depopulate? What happens, especially... Go far enough back, you go back 3,000 years, what if we'd had a full depopulation event? There's no Christ. There's no salvation. If there's a depopulation of the earth, or if a nation like Israel gets wiped off the map, all of a sudden, you no longer have prophecy fulfilled. So, I think you're starting off on the right, right tack there. This is a issue of right versus wrong. And so they're going to use this study, and Calhoun and folks like him use this study for a depopulation movement. But what does it really show? I, I know you've got thoughts, Miss Nikki. Well, yeah. So, first off, let's understand something in the study. Is that the mice and the rats had no need to work or, or do what was an animal instinct. Okay? Because everything was provided for them. Which is an internal issue that it triggered an internal issue. So, now let's take the same scenario where the rats had to hunt for their food and had to uh, take the, the necessary day-to-day uh, survival um, precautions. Now we're looking at something totally different. You're talking about putting rats in a place all together and giving them everything they need with no eternal purpose. And then you have this chaos that ensues. So if you are looking at the human population... Are you also looking at giving them everything that they need that they have no eternal purpose and it results in chaos? Well, we can see people who have not worked a day in their life and they soak off the government. Mm. They have no eternal pur- internal purpose. So the scenario, you have to take that into consideration when you're looking at population Absolutely. and population control. First off, no soul can come into this world unless God creates that soul. So we're not doing this on our own. But how we handle the situation on earth is the issue. So, and that's really interesting because the purpose of the enemy of our souls is to get us off track, off course. Distracted. And why are we talking about the uh, 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 behavioral sync when we're talking about masculinity and femininity? Uh, what would happen? The ones who perpetrated the violence were the males. The ones who would cause the most damage were the males. The ones who would often flee from sexual encounters were the males. By the way, what, what do we see in Japan? Hmm. Okay, with the with the growing population of men who will not have sex. Again, if, okay, so we're, we're talking about this. We're going to try to keep it relatively PG, but if you have kids in the room and you're really sensitive, go ahead and have them leave. But the females would murder their young 
they would kill their young instead of care for them. They would rather kill them, even though there was plenty of food, even though everything was provided for them. And you had mass amounts of cannibalism in the population. So they would murder their own uh, cohorts and then eat them. Right. And so what, what you see when you have plenty, the tendency for the human fleshly nature is very similar in, in the way, you know, citation needed. Well, look, look outside. You have people dividing by groups, by race, by superficial external characteristics. And if someone gets a scratch or a mark on them or a bite on their tail, all of a sudden everyone else piles on. You don't believe me? Log into, into Twitter for, you know, five minutes. <laughs> And you'll see. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I want to tell you something. During the 60s and 70s, and I'm sure y'all two over here will agree with me, but, you know, you're talking about this, this separation by various types of reasons. That's what was going on in the 60s and 70s. The same sort of thing. I mean, they, there was all sorts of reasons why to to separate people. If it just if it wasn't color, it was some other reason. Correct. And now we're starting it all over again. The I, same thing. And I just add to that if if you look at history, they will say that the fifties was a very uh, good time, time for for families actually financially. It was a good time financially in the United States mm-hmm. during that. That And so what do you have? Then you have the 60s. Right. The questioning of everything. Right. Mm. That became, mm-hmm. let me question this. Let me question that. And there are some things that are good to question. <clears throat> when you cr- question sure. bad stuff and say, hey, I'm not going to support this or this is wrong, that's a good thing. Right. But questioning structure of a family which is a biblical foundation, then you're starting to run into some issues. Correct. Well, and it's, it's not even about questioning it. It's about abandoning it. We should question these things, but when we find the answer and that answer is true, that should be the end of the story. Yeah, we should be embracing it and moving forward with it. As opposed to just completely rebelling against it. And, and so that, that brings us down to, again, why, the, why are we looking at the behavioral sink? It's because you see the loss of purpose in these individuals when you're in this large community. So let's start to kind of focus in on what would change. What, would, what, what, what is different about us versus creatures in the animal kingdom? What is the main delineating factor? We have intelligence, number one. I would we, say that's number two. Okay. We have the ability to choose what is right and wrong. We have the image of God that we and that, are bearing. Okay, and that's number one. And that's so. And that's the that's the crux of it. So I, I want to go to Ephesians five today. I want to go to Ephesians five because I think it's really important. Uh, Twenty two through uh, I believe it's thirty three. Yeah, that, that we're going through. And I want to start off with twenty two and twenty three. Miss Nikki, can you get those for us, please? Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Okay. Some people's hackles just... They just spiked. Yeah. Some people are really ticked. 
Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. Because, because of that word, submit. Submit. Mm-hmm. So what do you have for that word, submit? What is, what is the Greek definition it, of that? It means to be placed under authority. And by the way, I, I, I think you're one of the most interesting uh, people to talk on the issue of authority. You one time laid it out really well where you said basically, uh, I don't want to steal your thunder, but, but you talked about how authority is given versus ability. Ability versus authority. Power versus authority. Mm-hmm. What is the difference between the two? Well, okay, see if I can thought straight here. So I am a very strong personality. And my oh husband my. can testify of that. <laughs> I am a strong personality. However, I believe my husband will also tell you, I am a submissive woman. That's power under control. So it's not so much I'm, that I'm stupid. It's not so much that I'm weaker mentally. It is me understanding biblical purpose. And so when I submit to my husband then what I am doing is I am trusting the, the biblical stance of God's blessing. So my husband and I do not make decisions until we um, usually come to an agreement. We talk it through. If there's, if there's a difference in opinion, um, first off, he's always been very good that if, if I don't agree, he respects me enough to figure out why doesn't she agree. But what I'm doing is I'm taking my power and I'm placing it under the authority of my husband to keep the biblical promises and blessings in place. It's a role. And I think, you know, we've been married for 38 years. We enjoy being around each other. We enjoy just the the time together um, is, is one what Nikki is saying is, is spot on right. I think the other thing that needs to be looked at when it comes to the submission issue is that if there's a point at which she and I cannot come to a total agreement on something, she's going to step back and allow the decision to be made by me. But what does that ultimately mean in the end? Who bears the, the responsibility of that decision? me she is placed in an in an umbrella if you if you will of protection that way and she she is very intelligent she has very good ideas and we work through those things it wasn't always easy but when you when you learn to play to each other's strengths and you learn that each of you has a role Fulfill your role. Don't step outside the bound. So, there's a really good verse on this. It's Philippians 2.6. And I, I think this is really going to put submission in perspective as a role. Uh, so, let's say that you have a manager, right? And, and you have, have someone who's skilled, more skilled than the manager. They have to put themselves in submission, that manager. That's exactly right. That's not inherently bad. In fact, it can be a glorious thing. As I think Philippians two six, not in the manager case, but I think in this case, it's one of the most beautiful pictures we ever see, mm-hmm. and it is a picture of Christ. Nikki, if you can get that for us, yes. Um, 
who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal to God. But made, do you want me to go to the next go one? To just eight. But made himself of no reputation. This is Christ. Took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, mm-hmm. and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That is power under humble is not I'm weak and can't make an, my own decision. Humbled myself means I have power, but I'm placing myself under authority. There you go. And that that is the crux of it. So, by the way, if if you have let's go back to the manager study or, or moment, or let's go to the parable in the Bible, you have a foolish manager, foolish vicar who mismanages people in his spaces and he exceeds his authority where, where i was where 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 i really think authority is is interesting is you have authority as a man in a relationship you also have power as a stronger person in most cases that doesn't mean that you have the authority to do some things it means that you have the power authority Christ says he'll come back one day and he'll see that those who've mismanaged his other servants, they will be punished. Mm. Because in all likelihood, they don't have a relationship with Christ. And that's, that, that's the thing. When it comes to men, men have authority. They also have power. But that authority comes underneath an umbrella yeah. that's granted to them. And men need to need to see that under a certain light. Mm-hmm. Agree. I would agree. And this is what the problem is in culture is you got uh, in these days that are not seeking after God. So they're going after other men for advice or whatever. But the men that they're going after is like ungodly men. For instance, like what we talked about last week, you know, Andrew Tate, for example, many folks are looking at him as like the godfather. Then you got Kevin Samuels that me and Brother Steve was talking about just a couple of minutes ago before we got on this podcast. They're going to him and they're worshiping these men and going up to them and actually looking up their, their practices and observing everything that they do. And then they think that is like the gospel. And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not even. It's not even one percent. It's not even point zero 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 one percent. Not even close. But if you think that is the way of life, it's not. It's just gonna. And I'm gonna just say this. I believe that the MGTOW movement is the male version of feminism. Absolutely. Prove me wrong. Right. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And that, that's really the sad thing, though, that instead of coming to grips with the actual critiques of feminism, the, the positive critiques that feminism actually has, there are some good critiques that sometimes men do abuse authority, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that is a real critique. But sure. instead, of, instead of dealing with those critiques and saying, but wait a minute, but wait a minute, there's a complementarianism here. There is a, there is a, women and men are different. They're suited for different tasks. And by the way, men are responsible. By the way, I think, dudes, be careful. You have a hundred baby mamas out there. You are going to be held to a different standard than all of those women. 
because you are the one who's responsible for those children. Mm-hmm. You are responsible. And that's something that we miss. Because I think if we continue in Ephesians, we'll see a little bit more. Uh, starting in 24, there's a, there's a lot to be had there, if Miss Nikki, if you can get that for us. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That love word love there is action. That's action that's going to take place here. Um, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present it, unto, present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So let's, let's, let's pause there for a second. Sure. Because there's covenantal language being used here, and it's not it's not an accident. There's mm. there's something really interesting about how God views the church, and and the it, it's not an accident that marriage is the requirement for the reproductive act. There's it's not a coincidence that God has roped us into that. It's also not a coincidence that when God talks to Israel. Or going after other gods, he uses marital yes. covenantal language. Mm-hmm. Yes, Mr. Pomeroy, if you want to, if you want to jump. Uh, well, on that. And, and, and you know, I think if there's one aspect of our Western culture um, that we have really lost, we've lost the issue of the importance, and the the sanctity of of marriage. Um, I I think we've treated it very flippantly. And it's sad to see because that that whole picture reflects back on the issue of Christ in the church. That's that's the whole thing. And if we don't if we don't remember uh, the importance of that, we start to lose focus on the purpose of Christ Himself. And guess what? We've done in our culture. We've lost. The importance of Christ. We've, we're, we're, we're treating him like a rock star as opposed to a savior. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the, I would say that's the consequence, the, the breakdown in society. Because again, you're, you're looking at fleshly, natural man is not that much different than an animal. And, and, now, and that, that's perfect. Now move that back into where we started this podcast. You gave those animals everything that they wanted. Correct. And where did they go? Folks, you give everything that your flesh wants. Where will you go? Don't look at everybody else. Just look at yourself. Will you be drawn to God or away from God? That's, that's the essence of quote unquote self fulfillment, uh, and so one of my favorite contemporary Christian songs is is the title of Laura's Story. If mm-hmm. I can remember, I'll put it in the in the description link in the description. Uh, r- remind me if someone will. But there's a lyric in there. We pray for wisdom. We pray for peace. We pray for healing. And it, she goes on, and she says, "But you love us too much to give us lesser things." things. Mm-hmm. And then the the chorus comes. Mm-hmm. What if our uh, blessings come through raindrops. What if our healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? 
phenomenal lyrics, great mm-hmm. song. That's something that people really miss when they talk about evil. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying there's any good in evil, but what evil does do is it does prove the good. Amen. Correct. Because without that, there's nothing. It proves a contrast. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't see it. And by the way, only an unloving God, or at least a apathetic God, would allow a world to be without evil. And so you have to navigate this world with the biblical manual, if you will, for life. And that's not what the Bible is. It's God's word to us. It's his word he's trying to reach out to us. And he didn't give us bad advice. You want to understand what evil is. You want to understand human nature. Go to the Bible. And if you want to understand how to fight that fleshly nature, that destructive, deleterious nature, what is a man supposed to do? Well, if we pick back up in Ephesians 5, we're, we're going to see how man is supposed to treat his partner, his wife. Um, I'll read, read 28. So men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nursed and cherished it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Okay, pause. Hmm? Let's break that down for a moment, because there's some incredible notes about what a man is supposed to look like. What does a biblical man look like when you read Ephesians 5.28? What, what kind of man is he? What does he do for his wife? Just have the analogy. What did Christ do for the church? And, and that was the first thought that went through my mind. He laid it down. He gave everything. And today, you have to wonder how many men are willing to lay it all down for their wife, their family. That's a good question. It, it is. And, and I think that we're finding more and more that, that people are becoming more and more selfish. Just like this study shows in animals— what did they do as they progressed? They became more and more selfish. Well, and the government hasn't helped anything. No. Right? So I want to move over to the chair of politics here because it, we're, we're, we're sliding around. We're seeing what happens here when this breaks down. The government is just as much a part of the, the behavioral sink as anything else because you see they, these, these groups would organize into packs <clears throat> and they would do so based on similarities. What is the government specifically doing? It's, it's supposed to uphold godly institutions, but there is a value in tearing those down. But something else new It's made in their own image, isn't there? That's correct. And what they're doing is they're putting their cells in an image, and they're taking God down from the from the image and putting themselves up as that image and putting the government up as, look, we're your savior. We're here to take care of you. Come to us. We'll do all. We'll take care of all of your needs. We'll give you everything you need. Hey, here's money. What did you get during the pandemic? Money. Money. <laughs> right. What were they handing out? Bunches of extra food stamps, right? Yeah. Man, bunches of them. Mm-hmm. A whole lot of extra people ended up getting them, too. 
And there, lots of them. Much is by accident. No, no. it's no, government did it. They did it on purpose. Because if they can, if they can divide us and separate us, and not only that, giving out housing. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what are, are they, they doing, doing in New York to get rid of the the homeless problem? They're putting people up in hotels. Hotels. Boom. <laughs> doing the same thing in California, putting them up in like rich neighborhoods. Boom. Twelve hundred. I mean, we're talking like expensive places. Yep. People would pay like two grand for like a four hundred square foot place. And then there's and some putting, guy on the street that you gotta wake up, and then you go into work, and you see this guy. He's like, "Wait, how did he get in here?" Right. <laughs> and he's hanging out in his 400 square foot place with all of his government funded stuff, and probably still shooting up heroin. Well, you know it's not I mean? it's, it's not classes, Chauncey, because there's a real problem with it. And and what what you see when the familial structure breaks down, mm-hmm. the number one cause of let me rephrase this. Most likely to be, uh, take any person out of the prison population, mm-hmm. almost guaranteed they didn't have a dad. Yep. Or a father figure that was close. Majority. Or a stable household. Correct. That fact. Mm-hmm. You, you take anyone who's on the street, mental illness, a lot of them come from broken homes. Again, I, when we talk about the homeless, I, I, I have a lot of... I have a lot of sympathy for that. I've worked in the homeless ministry. Well, I thought a lot you were going to say you had a lot of friends that were homeless. So I right. do have friends who are homeless from that from well, those times. And I, when you lose sight of the godly values, when you allow your society to start to subsidize these types of behaviors, whether it's the baby mama, the single mothers, or it's the homeless epidemic, do not fix it. You only precipitously increase the the decay of the society, mm-hmm. and that's what we see in San Francisco. That's what we see in San Antonio in Austin. Thank you, all you Californites who've moved here <laughs> and brought the bad ideas with you. Thanks, we really appreciate well, it. They just the need to problem. stay in one spot. Yeah, don't spread out. Don't spread it. Yeah, stay one spot. You're yeah. welcome to come here. You're welcome to come here. Please do, but leave the dumb ideas. Where you destroyed everything yep. and uh, start new, start new. Have, 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 Just stay in one county. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> what you really, what you really got to realize is there is a reason for these biblical precepts, mm-hmm. and I think the church has been very bad at portraying biblical masculinity. And there, there's this idea that men have control over their wives' bodies. It's like, well, yes, but she has control over. Your body, too. Yeah. Right. Married people in the room, what does that look like for a man? What does that look like? And, and I want to talk about this with the woman next week. And, and so we should bring it up here. But what does that trade-off look like? Ask that question again a little different. I apologize. And give yourselves to your wives. Wives, give your bodies to your, to your husband. What does a biblical framework look like in reality so we have the verse of god saying your bodies belong to each other do not withhold from each other yourselves 
What does that look like? Because these verses have become very twisted. There are people who have absolutely misused these and who have misread them. What does that relationship look like? What is that interplay between the man and the woman? Doesn't it almost suggest, if I could word this like this, that the man also has to submit? Mm Mm-hmm. Now, that's not a popular thought in culture today. And I would dare say that as, as men, if we are not careful, we come out with this concept that we're, we're the guys, we're the studs, we, we, we demand. And <laughs> the thing is, is that biblically, yeah, to an extent, but when it comes to this, no, you're not. You're under authority. You're under authority. And Who are you under? To me, it's an issue of sacrifice and, and um, I, I can't even think of the right commitment. word here. It, it, it is commitment, but it's a yielding. It's a, you know what? This isn't necessarily what I want. This is what you want. And there's nothing wrong with that. Let's go with it. We are so caught up in getting our own way. And it, it, couldn't we all relate to this when we were growing up? John Arthur, you wouldn't be able to, but, you know, <laughs> growing up in a home with brothers and sisters, it's like, I can't wait to get out on my own. Because why? Because I can do my own thing. Yep, and I fell into that trap. And, and, I, and, and I, what I, is it? And I, and I can tell you, and it, and it gives you all of this fulfillment, like, yeah, I'm not underneath no authority. My mommy and daddy ain't around. So you just start bringing in all kinds of stuff into your own home. It's in your own space. So you're doing what you want to do. And then you find I, out it gets hard. And then you on the phone like, I'm up. Yeah. I need some help. You know, it, it, it's it's like, why would they tell you this? But the world tells the young, the youth in songs and television, when you get 18 or when you go into college, move out. That is the biggest scam of all time and that's something that i regret doing because of the factor that if i would have stayed home with my grandmother with my mom and my family members and i would have actually helped them out while i was going to school you know i could have actually got on the right path but you know everything you know i'm learning that it's a big scam i even tell the the youth that are going Graduating from college, they go, you know, the youngins to be like, yo, yeah, man, I can't wait till I graduate, man. I'm gonna go out and just do my thing. I'm like, go out and do what? I'm like, why won't you stay at home and, and avoid paying them bills? Because <laughs> you don't know how much rent is. A one bedroom nowadays is like fifteen hundred. It's a lot. Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole lot. And I'm like, you ready for that? Okay, then you got to get your own car. Got that car insurance, oh, that phone, the phone bill, electricity, food. Yeah, you also were a chronic moocher for 18 years at least. Uh, why don't you help with the bills or the family business or whatever it is, whether it's stuff around the house? Why don't you give a little bit to your parents before you start your own family? But that was the tradition. And you've seen that in the Bible that, you know, whatever the father did, the father taught their son the same exact yes. skill, same trade, the same trade so okay. that when they get older, they get into the same trade as well. Right. Now there are times where, you know, you have the sons that will have the interest in different trades, but guess what? But guess what? They had other brothers of Christ 
or of God at those times that would tell him, like, hey, learn from this brother so-and-so how to be a blacksmith. Learn from this brother here how to, you know, put wood and stuff together because they were profitable skills and they were things that actually helped them grow. Nowadays, it's like, I'm going to be honest, the, the parents of this generation, they're just letting the kids do whatever they want. Amen. And they're, and they're just letting them just study for, like, I don't know. Um, they can go to school for just, for, like, styrofoam and they think that's going to get them somewhere. Yeah. It's like, uh, no. For gender studies degree. It, and, and what's on earth a degree? <laughs> Ice cube studies or something, you know. To bring this back to where you were, where you started this piece of the conversation, what does that framework look like? The, the, the big thing that comes out to me in this podcast is the importance of roles, number one. But number two, doing things that you don't necessarily have to do or want to do, but you do it for the benefit of somebody else. The sacrifice is the word that there just really... Is. There you that, go. Correct. It's sacrifice. There you right. go. The best, the best word I ever heard on this was... Uh, and this for the from the woman's side, so we won't talk about it again next week. But this one woman was having marital marital issue with her with her with her husband. This is on Family Life Today. Great program, Family Life Today. Mm-hmm. Go look it up. Great program. They have real stories of couples who've gone through life, and you can see what good masculine and feminine traits look like, and what bad brings about. But this woman has been struggling with submitting to her husband because her husband isn't worthy of it. Guess what? No man Amen. is. Amen. No man is worthy of your submission. It's a role. And, and by the way, dudes, you're not worthy of respect. Ladies, you're not worthy of love. It's a role. It's something that you need to adhere to. If you're the so, this woman one night she's praying and she's crying out to God. God, I hate him for this and I hate him for that. She goes. Then all of a sudden, I heard a voice in my head, as if God spoke to me and said. I want you to go and make mad love to that man. God, he's selfish. That's all he wants. God, he, he, he you know, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm putting, fulfill that role. She said that was a turning point in their marriage hmm. because he broke down two days later, whatever the time was, and said, why did you do that? I did not deserve that I did not deserve your affection because I have. And she told him why. So whoever you are, set the example. You're in a marriage like that. Set the example. Take the step. Take the step. Sacrifice yourself. Mm-hmm. In, 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 can I just implore the, the men to do that? Yes. On, on, on this particular episode? Because this is, this is the opportunity to change the dynamic of a marriage, to change the dynamic of, of a family and move it in the right direction. Okay, if you want to go tit for tat, fine. Where do you come out in the end of that? You don't. You might as well go ahead and just lay it all down on the line and let God have at it and go from there. And you, who knows what kind of blessing you might get in the end from that kind of thing. Hundred percent, and so it's Nikki. What what does that look like from from a, a woman's perspective when it comes to a man being a manly man and submitting to a woman? Because some 
there's this this misconception, I would say, in the culture that men somehow offering themselves or offering seed territory is somehow unmasculine when it comes to women. What does that look like positively in a woman's eyes? Well, when a man is submitting himself to a woman, it's not. we're not just talking about a sexual thing. Every yes. day that Charlie submit himself to get up in the morning, go to work, and then one time in our marriage, he actually worked a full-time job and two part-time jobs. The only time the kids got to see him was on the weekend. And he did that because he wanted our kids to be homeschooled, and he wanted them uh, to be home with the kids. Well, that's a very physical, ruling uh, work pace. So you're talking he would go to an office job for eight hours a day, and then he would park cars at a club or at his valley parking. Valley parking, and then he would cut trees down um, with a friend of his. He was tired. He was very tired, but he was submit. That's that's him submitting himself into the role of a man and a husband and a father. That's submission. Is taking on your role, filling your responsibility. He didn't do it for him because <laughs> he's not going to work three jobs just for him. He was doing it so that he could provide a home for his, his family. And I mean, that's the role. That, yes. that was the yes. role. Yes. And we've lost that today. And let I me mean, just, my mother would say, okay, so if your man is out there working, for you, he comes home. I know this is, sounds really chauvinist. Better have a hot meal to eat. Because he's just worked all day long for your family. You better come home, and you better have a decent home to walk into, because he's just sacrificed for you all day. And my kids can testify. My husband woke up every morning with breakfast waiting for him on the table. Not because I had to do it, but because my husband was getting ready to go out and sacrifice for the family, and I wanted to make sure he got his day started the right way. That was how my mother taught me. It's amazing how many times I would go to work, and I would tell people... (laughs) I I would make my wife sound like she was a walking superhero. And then I would they they would always they would always ask what did she do? In, in other words, what kind of occupation does she have? And if I could just take a few moments and just walk through the conversation. Well, um she's actually uh she she's a part-time nurse. Uh she she does some nursing, uh you know, a little bit of nursing. Oh wow, that's great, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. And then there's times when she's actually doing some part-time teaching. Charlie, really? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. She's got a culinary degree. She's a phenomenal cook. I mean, if you had the opportunity to have her in your home and cook, oh my! I would do about five or six of these, and then it was starting to click. Mm. They're going there. There's no way. I mean, Charlie, is she wearing a cape? Yeah, she is. She's a housewife. I mean, yeah. And I would always elevate it. I, w- I would always say she was a home administrator. But, but, but she's more than just a housewife. Because she is. Housewife has lost its meaning. Yeah. Well, because, because women will send their kids to school and do nothing in the home all day long. <laughs> and I, I'm sorry, I've got relatives who are like this, where it's like they will not take... Like, no, 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 I pay the state to do that. And it, by the way, by the way, boomers, I'm sorry, like, not, not, not the ones in the room, I'm not talking to y'all, 
But boomers, stop whining and crying about kids these days. You Who raised it. the kids? You started it. Who raised the kids? <laughs> you started it. <laughs> yeah, and, and see, uh, it's like what Charlie had said, it, you know, talking about calling his, his, his wife a housewife. It's, it's a, nowadays, that's like a, a major it's cuss anathema. word. It's anathema. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's like, heaven forbid if you was to call somebody a housewife nowadays, oh, my gosh, well, cut my head kid. off. I love the way my dad you know said it. He said, wait, you're asking me if my wife works? You want to get me in trouble? <laughs> this is before she started working. Yeah. Uh, early on in the marriage, you say, hey, John, does your wife work? He's like. Uh yes, <laughs> is she is she not, is she employed with someone else? <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and can I just say I'm not. I I want to be very careful here because I don't want people to misunderstand what I'm really getting at by sharing this story. I'm not saying that every married wife needs to fulfill the role exactly how Nikki did. I am not saying that. I am not going to judge you for the way that you're living your life. But I am going to tell you this. Don't you dare look at somebody like my wife and think that's corny and it's wrong. No, you get in line because the one that may be corny and wrong may be you. Well, let me give you two, two examples. My father was the breadwinner when my mom and dad got married. My dad served, and he was in fires that damaged his lungs permanently, and he had permanent health issues. That all of us, they finally caught up with him. Mom had started working because she was bored. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so, and there weren't any kids yet. He got cut off from Continental with no retirement, by the way, after working for them for years, and they stole... $750,000 of retirement through, you know, corporate raiders mm. and all, all, all the stuff that happened in the 90s with, yeah. Count, with Frank Lorenzo, Continental Airlines. I remember all that. All that nonsense. Uh, he just got slapped on the wrist, by the way. Uh, <laughs> my dad was unceremoniously booted without a retirement. My mom worked, you know, when, when he was sick, like when he was, you know, fever every day, just sweating into the mattress, she worked. That's not unmanly. That is... The dude took a took a yeah. arrow to the chest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Let me give you a different one. What, what, what one more? Two of my best friends. She's a she's a doctor. He was an electrician. He had this conversation with me. He said we talked about it after sending the kids to a private Christian school. I'm not sending them to public school. He would have two hundred dollars or three hundred dollars extra in the budget every month. She and I talked about it. I'm staying at home with the kids, starting a farm. That's not, that's manly. I'm, I'm good with that. That's manly. Yep. Because sure. she's bringing in way more than he ever could with his education and with his skill trade. He's homeschooling the kids and he's working on the farm. So masculinity is not necessarily winning the bread. Amen. It's taking the lead of the family. And you got to drop your pride. It's really fulfilling the role God God has called you to as a man. And and a man does lead and protect his family. And the best way he can do that is being perfectly centered in the will of God. And God calls us all differently to do different things. There you go. 
And you just need to know, if you want to be a godly man or a godly woman, the first thing you you have to do is work on your relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. There you go. Amen. It starts with that first, because you can't get into no marriage or no relationship. Matter of fact, if you... It, I'm going to just say this to all the men that's listening to this. If you are yearning to get into a marriage or a relationship, make sure your relationship with the Lord is first, which is what my jacket says, God first. And if you put him first, he's going to teach you exactly what you need to do. But to go back to your point, um, with folks that will look into uh, y'all's marriage and think, you know, whatever she's doing is, is, is whack or whatever, they need to remember the Ten Commandment, but it tells us to not covet over our neighbor's wives or anything in a situation because you may look into their situation and you're thinking, oh, that's whack. But what about your situation? Both of you are working. You both are away. Your kids are going to after-school programs. Your kids got basketball games, football games to go to. They look up in the crowd, and then guess what? Their mommy and daddy ain't there. So who's in a better situation? And then they could go to their kids after-school programs, see everything that they're doing, take pictures with them and everything. And they can actually enjoy that. Yeah. And their kids love that. But you can't enjoy that because you're at work. Because you want to chase the money, you want to chase the bag, or what, you want to listen to what the world say. That stuff doesn't bring fulfillment. Well, and so one of the common critiques, and we were talking about the manosphere and, and, and the new masculinity, one of the things that they bring up that's very accurate is... is early things on, on YouTube, they, they, they had a little bit on this. People have an unrealistic expectation for what a man can bring in. Women have this unnatural expectation. In the 60s, when you had stay-at-home wives, how big were the homes? Were they 2,400 no, square right. foot? No, they right. were 2,400 square foot. You were lucky to have what? 1,000, 1,200? Yep. Yeah. So, guess what? You could still afford these homes with yeah. a man's salary but instead where again it goes back to that behavior sink where you have people searching in their we have these people who preen they're so focused on being beautiful they're so focused on themselves it's so selfish that they will not mate they will not have kids and by the way i'm just going to say it not like kids there is something off and oh, I'm not off. saying that you're. I'm not saying that that, that you're vile or evil. But I'm saying if you like kids, there's something wrong. If you don't like yelling and screaming monsters, I got you. I understand. <laughs> That's not natural. <laughs> it's natural to discipline your kids. It is unnatural to have these kids running around a Walmart screaming their heads off. Don't spare, noted. Don't spare that rod. Noted. But. Lose something, and, and and so here's the final piece of the puzzle for today. If we finish up in Ephesians all the way through 33, it's really important to note what man and woman look like in regards to each other in the important context. I'll start at 28. So men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nursed and cherished it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. 
This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her. Hmm. Boy, I love the end. Mm-hmm. What? You know, I, can I just say this real quick, John Arthur? One of the things that I try to implore upon young people, Nikki has elevated me to the place of king in the home, if, if I could word it like that. She, she, she puts me up there. But on the flip side, I try to put her as queen. Do not mess with the queen. Don't do that. That's a bad place to go. And I'll tell you, when you start elevating each other that way, when men, when you don't look to be elevated, but when you look to elevate the other, that's probably going to reciprocate back to you in the future. It may not at that moment, but it will eventually. And I, I love that about Nikki, that she always elevates me. And I try to do the same, and I try to do it at work as as well as around just family related gatherings. Absolutely, absolutely. And there, there's the most important piece of the puzzle is Christ. Again, another really, really wonderful testimony from Family Life Today. I love their stuff. This one couple said, "We've never really had any arguments in our marriage. We've had disagreements, but you know what we did? But every single time we had a disagreement." said, hey, I disagree with you. Let's bring us to the Lord in prayer. It said, God always convicted one or both of us. Hmm. And it changed right then and there. They prayed, not, not passive-aggressive garbage. They prayed, Lord, give us wisdom. So-and-so has this. So-and-so has that. And that's what leading your family looks like as a man. But submitting mm-hmm. as a woman looks like are coming before God and you're saying, I am underneath your umbrella, God. You're a woman, you're, I'm responsible to this man who's responsible to you. I'm bringing him to you. And if man comes and says, God, this woman is not doing what I, you know, what I think she should be doing, I'm bringing you to her, you know, her before you. But if you're a manager, do you can't always, let me rephrase this, you can't always discipline someone who's working for you. Oftentimes, you have to go to what? You have to go to HR. You have to go to someone above you. That's what authority looks like. Yeah. I would totally agree mm-hmm. with that. And that's why we have the church, ladies and gentlemen. As you, and, and, and another perspective, uh, biblical aspect of this, go to Titus 2. Titus 2 is very, very, very important. Because in Titus 2, you see that, you know, you got the older man teaching the younger man how to be husbands, doing everything as a man sacrificing even if you don't want to do something you got to still do it because you got to provide for your family and then you got the older women it's teaching the younger ladies hey you know have some respect for your man even though he is doing this even though he's not up to par have some respect because that love will come back to you if you respect him and that's where all that teaches and these are Vital things, you know, these are great examples around me of, you know, biblical marriage and what it's supposed to look like. You know, I go into church every day. There's 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 folks that's been married in our church for like 40 plus, 50 plus years, 60 plus. 
That's one couple that's been married like six plus years. And I'm like, wow, that is amazing. I don't look at that as like, oh, man, they just old. They ain't looking at them. And nah. No, it's more the fact that I can still take some knowledge and some wisdom from them because they kept the traditions as it was delivered onto their forefathers. And that's what we lost today is there's, that respect. There's some sacrificing that's happened. Yeah, I think my in-laws have been married uh, 73 or 74 years now. Wow. Uh, that's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Huh? And they both walked into church today on their own, by the way. Yeah. Because he comes up and bumps me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just love, I love they him. both walk in. They both walk in on their own. Yep. Sure Amazing. Do. And they're both in their 90s. Mm. They don't uh, look it. No, they don't. No, they, they don't, don't at all. That kind of relationship can only be really sustained. You can sustain it without Christian. Noted. You cannot sustain it without being Christ-like. At some point. And yep. you, know, you have to be at least Christ-like. And let's talk about the stats on that real quick. It's really interesting. 80% of... Divorces are initiated by women. Mm-hmm. But, I wouldn't have thought that. But let's 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 make it even let's make it even more interesting. Eighty percent of suicides post divorce from the divorce are men. Yep, they are men. That's something that'll make you think. So when it comes to being a godly role model. That's something that, you know, in the home, being, being the man, it's important to note something. You, you need to make sure that you are secure in your masculinity, which should be founded in Christ. And, and Don Arthur, I don't want to go deep into this. I, I think it so closely relates to what we're talking about. For you young people out there that are struggling with gender-related issues. God has created you for a role, for a purpose. And if you're not careful, you will go ahead and try to alter that purpose. You will try to alter that role. You will end up extremely unhappy. And I'm telling you, you can look at what the modern-day media is, is telling you to believe about gender-related stuff. There are many young people today who are trying to detrans because they know they made a mistake. And I want to encourage you, this podcast has been a great illustration about sacrifice, about roles, about submission. Amen. I want you to think about the importance of those things before making a life-changing decision that you cannot undo. Because you're born with that role, whether you have a physical surgery or not. Amen. And, and amen. And that's something that, that's innate, and it's, it's, it's inseparable. Yes. And you, you look at the 15-year the uh, suicide rate post. We, we weren't here for this, but, but we, we just talked about the 15-year post-regret uh, on transitioning. Is uh, You have a uh, four-time increase in, mort- in mortality. For female to male transitions and a two and a half times increase mortality for male to female. This so doesn't surprise me. It, it, it's something that happens when you 
towards that that purpose. Yeah. And by the way, just from the chair of economics here, I do want to bring this up too. It's it's interesting when you realize that poverty follows divorce. That is something that I, I don't think people talk about enough. It's not coming up. I'm sorry. Uh, but have seniors below the poverty line. Only 10% of seniors below the poverty line uh, are divorced. How about that? 90% of seniors below the poverty line, or, or 90% of seniors who are below the poverty line are divorced. And that's something that happens. It, I really dislike it when people say, get married, she'll complete you. She does not complete. Christ <laughs> completes me. She completes a family. A family with those roles. But do note, it is better. Man is not, it's not good that man is alone. Amen. Right. That's right. Yep. That's right. So Good podcast. Thoughts going around the room, wrapping up Miss Nikki. Well, I'm a supporter of the biblical roles of a man. I found them to be very successful, and uh, I think they bring a lot of satisfaction and joy in a person's life. I haven't found anything opposite of that. And I'll sum it up in one word. Sacrifice. And Nancy. This is indeed powerful, but into consideration, listen to this podcast, listen to this episode maybe two, three times. Share this to somebody who's struggling with this. Struggle with knowing themselves, the roles that they're supposed to take. Because if they don't understand their roles now, and they're having a struggle now, you're going to see a slippery slope happening. And it's not going to be like that ride at Astroworld or Six Flags or whatever. It's going to go downhill. Want to find, find that role. So find it. Christ, understand your role. Yep. I would have to say that on the political side that don't think that the government has any kind of interest in keeping the families together or that they're there to take care of you. They are not there to take care of you. They're to use you. It's exactly right. They have a reason why they do what they do. The government always has reasons why they do what they do. There's always an end result to what they're trying to do. And it's not for the betterment of the family. And it's not for helping the family get to be more like Christ. Look at what they've done through time that the government has done in trying to remove Christ out of schools, off out of courthouses, out of everywhere. And, and they just, it, it's not a good situation. And the end result is when Christ comes back, what's he going to do? He's going to wipe and get rid of all the world governments and Amen. institute a godly government. Amen. Bam. I am. So from the economic perspective, just wrapping up from my chair, then my own thoughts, you are 
going to find that there is a value. And I'm not, I'm not, not going to talk about the, the financial value, although we've already mentioned that. God made you a man or a woman. And finding your identity in your gender is not a good thing. Finding your identity in Christ. Gender stuff will fall out. Following your identity, uh, anything other, your race, and your status, that will never satisfy. As far as masculinity is concerned, Christ is the most masculine being to ever exist. He is the pinnacle. That's what true masculinity looks like. Someone who is kind to others, loving, gentle when necessary, violent when necessary, under control always. That's what masculinity looks like. Someone who is caring for those who are underneath his authority. Make sure that if you are a man, that you are living up to that because Christ, gentlemen, Christ compared you to the church, uh, his, him and the church, and his relationship with the church is that you should be like that. A high standard. Right. Make sure that you're trying to live up. With that said, if you enjoy this podcast, like, comment, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. We have uh, really enjoyed y'all's listenership. Thank you. Thank you for 15,000 downloads a month. We are rapidly wow. spanning the gap between 100 and 200,000 total downloads. We're, I think we're at 140 or 130,000 downloads total for the podcast. Amazing. Thank y'all. The YouTube channel could use some love. We are on YouTube. And again, thank Hit you, Rumble. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, share it. Sharing is the new caring. Thank you all so much. We love you. Bye-bye. 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 All right. Nope. All right. If you're still here, still here. One last thing. Going around the room. What do you think the most harmful stereotype of masculinity is? What do you think the most harmful one is? Culture, the most corrosive. The negative stereotype. I Johnson, go ahead. I got one. He's a tyrant. He's a bigot. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that if um, if a man is not making money, he's a failure. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's Nikki. Well, I was going to kind of go in the same way. I would say if a man doesn't have a degree, then he's an uneducated man. And I, I would tell you that that is not true because you could find a mechanic who may have dropped out of school at eighth grade. And yet he can take a car apart inside, outside, and knows everything about motors and, and that. He's right. very educated. He Way might not have a piece of paper for it, but yeah. he's a very educated man. I would agree with you on that one. Because he even knows engineers can't even know how to build cars. So. That's right. Mm-hmm. How about you, Mr. Steve? Well, I was going to talk about education as well, but I would say, let's see. Hmm. <clears throat> As far as men goes, let's see. Hmm. Just gonna go with education. Well, I was, but I can. I got another one here. Uh, personally, I I enjoy cooking a lot. I'm a big fan of cooking, and you know, some people think that that's kind of uh, you know feminine, but I tell you what, it's not at all. And I, and it, 
you know, people that know me, I'll vouch for I'm you. not <laughs> a feminine kind of guy. <laughs> Trust me. I'll vouch for you. Don't mind the ponytail. <laughs> this guy, when it comes to killing and cooking his food in the wild, best venison tacos you will ever eat. There You'll you find it at his campsite. There you go. Uh, with that said, I, I don't know. It's hard. I think um, the idea that aggression is necessarily toxic. I think that the idea that testosterone is toxic. You heard James Cameron recently say, "Yep, testosterone is something is a poison that should be leached and purged from the blood." Well, thank you, James. We don't all want to be like you. Uh, uh, the rest <laughs> of us, some of us want, some of us want testosterone. Uh, by the way, thank you. It's a good thing. It's a good well, thing. Uh, you say that 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 there are more millionaires uh, that are men than women, and that somehow they're pressing women. Uh, you say that there's more murders. Guess what? More lives are saved. More lives, men and women, children's lives are saved by men than women. Amen. More men suffer from poverty than women. Mm-hmm. More men suffer from richness. From that, it has to do not with testosterone. It has to do with the spirit. Because yeah. men are subject to the ups and downs that the light went out. That's oh. telling me it's time to wrap this up. <laughs> if you like this, we love you. Tell us we, you love us back. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. That was good. <laughs> <laughs>